listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. Uh, and today, I'm joined by a couple of my colleagues, uh, Shri Vinayak. Sri Mercrades, better known as Vinayak, Dale Colan, hello, and today's special guest, Jamie Siggers. Hi. So, welcome everyone, and let's have a good one. So, for those that this is their first uh, episode of the Construction Big Breakfast, there's a ritual that we all go through. So, I'm going to start today with Vinayak, and Vinayak, come on, what did you have for breakfast? Um, I have my usual porridge with nuts and berries. Um, you know, it's my staple weekday breakfast. No change. Okay, you'll be running out of steam in about an hour because we're recording this at ten o'clock in the morning. I, yeah, you know, I gave up porridge years ago. Doesn't do me any. Doesn't keep me going till lunchtime. Come on, Dad, what did you have? I had toast this morning and I treated myself to a nice coffee. I don't often do that during the week. I don't often get time. While I'm looking after my little boy, getting his breakfast as well, but uh, but I've managed to squeeze it in this morning. So there we go. And Jamie, welcome. What did you have for breakfast this morning? I, I had my usual as well. My usual is a, a, a berry smoothie. So it's got berries, yogurt, oats. So it's all good stuff. <laughs> good stuff, quick to prepare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I had two artisanal eggs, soft boiled with uh, soldiers which are a bit like vanilla. That's my standard one during the week. I don't normally go anything more sophisticated than that. Anyway, welcome. And uh, for those that don't know, Jamie, you're a partner in Campbell Reith. Yep. Do you just want to give us a bit of a flavour of what you're up to at the moment and uh, where what Campbell Reith's up to? Yeah, so we're uh, civil structural um, consulting engineers. We do geotechnical engineering, geo-environmental consulting, uh, some EIA environmental consulting as well um, and at the moment things are busy where we've um, I run the Bristol office and we are really busy at the moment uh, absolutely snowed under uh, we're looking to recruit in fact uh, bring, hopefully bringing in an apprentice in the next week um, and yeah lots of stuff going on a lot of um, housing so a lot of residential developments uh, getting planning uh, helping out with sort of transportation and drainage and civils and flood risk type stuff uh, and then uh, taking them through through planning and then on to construction so uh, it's the construction side I think at the moment that is a little bit slow for us we've got a little bit of a pause on stuff actually getting onto site um, but otherwise yeah pretty busy in the, in, the, in our office definitely. Yeah. Well that sounds like, sounds like a good news story there. Yeah and of course, like we all had to, um, it's been a time when we've had to adapt to the restrictions imposed by the pandemic. Yeah. So I know how we've done it, but how how has Campbell Reef adapted? Well, I mean, we were we were really well set up in the first place. So we'd been using or been using virtual machine. Um, software for, for ages so I, I've had a virtual machine since I've, since I've been with Campbell Reef for about five years um, so I was used to working from home at 
day or two a week um, every now and then. Um, and so our software and all the um, all the stuff back in the office and, and in, in our various offices was set up to enable us to um, work from home. Uh, when we started to see that this the sort of lockdown might happen, uh, we did invest a bit more in in updating our service to cope with the the load. Uh, but then that was it, and we were pretty much ready. So when lockdown came, everyone was at home, everyone was working straight away. There was no delay. Um, so it was it was all very very well set up. Um, that's the sort of IT backbone to it, I suppose. What we weren't ready for was the all working in isolation, yeah. and the the speed of getting up to date on Zoom and Teams and things like that, and trying to work out how we maintain contact and and on a daily basis, I think has been the real real challenge for us. In terms of getting people working and doing the work, no problem whatsoever. It's it's the the daily sort of chats, the daily keeping an eye on people and checking stuff and just people understanding what's going on. That that's what's really struggled. That's what we've struggled with. But it's taken a while, but I think we've got there with with the sort of systems and things that we've put in place. That's interesting. I mean, in our own. Uh, I'll tell you how we at least did something to try and keep the cohesion in the team uh, is that every day, I think almost without exception, except when we have a, a team meeting, we have what we call the IVB, which is the Invent Virtual Breakfast, which is yeah. at eight o'clock every day. And just about everyone turns up, don't they? And we just shoot the breeze. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we um, I don't, I, we, did, we didn't do a, a daily thing, but we very quickly in our Bristol office, at least, we set up a, a Friday lunch, uh, sort of coffee time call for, for an hour um, or 45 minutes, whatever it is that Zoom allows you for free. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that was that was the entire Bristol team. And it started off, everyone was there the first couple of, and you know, people then sort of decided whether to join or not sort of after the first couple of weeks. But that was, that was a really good uh, way of us all just being in touch, but outside of that, each of our teams had at least one call a week with the team, discussed resourcing, discussed projects that's going up, um, if anyone needed any help and things. So every Monday, each of our teams had a, had that call. And then during the week, using uh, either um, sort of face-to-face -face sort of Zoom calls like this, or uh, Teams calls like this, or um, using the sort of chat function, uh, we we always keep keeping in touch with people. Jamie, that's uh, that's a lot on kind of the the internal effects and, and some of the changes that you've made in terms of keeping in touch with people internally. What what's been the effect with maintaining relationships and collaborating with those outside of Camberley? How have you managed that? Yeah, uh, it's it's been it's been interesting. I mean, where we where we've got projects on the go. Uh, you know, again, they very quickly reverted to meeting online, um, and there there didn't seem to be any effect on that really. I mean, a lot of the work that we do is very collaborative; it has to be, um, and that didn't stop. You know, it's, you know, the collaboration stuff isn't just about going to a meeting and meeting someone. It's day to day sharing model files, uh, sending over sketches, even, and that that didn't stop. You know, we st still had the ability to do that. Each each of the team members still had their their sort of number twos and their their 
going across to the organisations, the architects, and so on. So that that didn't stop. No, I don't. I don't think that that changed at all. Really, it was it was just the meetings and the meetings being different, being sat at home and sat on your screen and having your kids running around in the background sort of thing. But you know, people forgave that because everyone's in the same sort of situation. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've certainly had uh, had my little boy running from time to time and uh, have to try and kind of shoo him out or yeah. or he ends up just joining the meeting, which uh, which gives a little bit of light relief for everyone. But uh, it, yeah, and it it, it um, I think I think in a in a great way as well, it um, makes people real. So you know, when you're in a meeting, you're just talking business, but if if your family life kind of comes into it it's like it's like the chats before and after meetings we just you know what do you do this weekend or whatever and it's just it makes you real and it makes you sort of uh, it humanizes people doesn't yeah, it yeah humanizes people yeah exactly yeah yeah no it's been good it's been good and i i, I like the um the new phrases that have come into the lexicon like there you're on mute <laughs> like, i don't think i've had one meeting where someone hasn't said you're on mute yeah, there are these new things to trip us up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's incredible that, you know, before March, I'd not heard of Zoom. I don't know if any of you guys had heard of Zoom, but I'd not heard of Zoom. We'd had Teams, you know, Skype, but Teams mostly. No one had a Zoom, heard of Zoom. And now it's now it's a phrase, isn't it? It's like, what are you doing? I'm Zooming someone. It's, it's yeah. the same as the way that Hoover has become the term for a vacuum cleaner and... It's Zoom. I'm I'm zooming. <laughs> it's just it's if, yeah. if I had the foresight to buy, buy shares in Zoom. The um, I'm 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 a I'm a slow adopter of technology. Not like a total laggard, but I'm never the at the forefront. But of course, the day after the lockdown was announced, within ten minutes, you're as good as the next person, aren't you? Because you've got no choice. Yeah. You have no choice but to adopt it and of course that's what's happened isn't it it's accelerated this shift yeah to this kind of a meeting yeah yeah and i, I think that's fine i don't I, you know we we talk a lot about efficiency and productivity and things like that and uh yes you know working from home uh maybe the efficiency drops a little bit because you've got kids in the background or you've, you've got, you know, distractions, you know, make, get up, make a cup of tea or whatever. And it, it's, it's a different, it's a different way of working. But I think the, the difference is that the, the, the productivity, I, I would su suggest, is increased because we're not travelling to meetings. You're not, you know, you're not spending an hour on the underground or trains or whatever to get to a meeting and then half an hour an hour a meeting where it gets dragged out and then and then you're an hour back again you're, you're five seconds setting up a call no one particularly likes it so you try and get it over and done with as quickly as possible and then you're back to work again and you, you, you don't don't lose that time and i think certainly yeah certainly um sort of managerial level where half your job at least is going to meetings it, it makes a huge difference about the amount of work that you can actually get done yeah, uh, you know, I think I think it has been an improvement um, in that sense, but you know, at the same time, you do miss that kind of face-to-face -face human contact, as it were. And and taking forward from what Tim was saying, it's not so much that we chose to do it; we we had no other choice. And being you know uh, from construction industry, being one of the slow adopters in itself, we've proven now that it can be done. 
and yeah. everyone is doing it because you had no other choice. So yeah, yeah, and it, I think it's it going forward. It's going to make a it's going to make a big difference. You know, I I I've come up through a, a number of organisations that have been uh, certainly national, but global and things like that, and the through pretty much every organization the sort of inter-office sharing of workload etc has always been a struggle to convince people to do mm. so you're either recruiting or, or letting people go because your workload peaks and troughs but i think this has proven that remote working and, and working with someone in a different office has has no difference doesn't you know people can do it so why can't you so you know if you've got a peak in workload you ask your, your colleague in in london to give you a hand or you you ask your colleague in Manchester or wherever it is to give you a hand. Whereas in the past, there was a lot of protectionism about the workload. Oh, it's got to be done in our office because I can't, I can't not have my, can't sit, not sit next to them and get see what they're doing things like that. And now it's kind of like, well, you've just been doing it for for three months, and you know, there's there's no difference to what you, your output or whatever. So that's not a reason, you know. Share workload, share that around the business. And that's what we are seeing a lot more of. We are seeing a lot more of. I mean, it's. I don't think this the construction industry is going to be any different to any other industry, and you know there will be job losses and things like that. And I think I think as as part of that, the sort of going forwards that that remote working, that working across the country, working across offices is going to become much much bigger part of part of doing the work. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting point, Jamie, because one of the I mean, construction gets knocked a lot, doesn't it, for its uh, relatively poor improvements in productivity over the past 20, 30, 40 years, perhaps. But what people forget is it's also the way it's structured, at least, it's able to deal very effectively with vast changes in uh, workload or demand. Yeah. Without putting, you know, you can shed a lot of workers without putting people on the... Um, on the dole yeah because of the yeah particularly people who work on sites they're used to moving about aren't they now of course the very interesting point you brought up is that people in offices now they don't have to physically move do they they just need to have someone from another office on the zoom call or the yeah. teams call rather than someone in their own office because they're both remote it's just a degree of remoteness and it doesn't make any difference if you're looking into a laptop does it no i think i think it's it's still important to make sure that there is a sense of belonging so they're not just an individual floating around in a big sea of of talent they are part of an office so that's why we, you know we continue with our friday calls because there, there's a sense of belonging in being part of that team part of that business and i think it's it is still important to do that yeah but, um, yeah i mean it, i think the the technical technological advances that we've had um have taken a, a quantum leap um through this, this this period you know i i always reflect that when i started in the industry back in 97 uh where you were operating on faxes and physical drawings and things like that being shared there was there was always a always a case of um you know getting a call from an architect or a contractor i, I sent you this query uh, i sent you by fax have you got it yet and you're like i've, I've not seen it I'll, I'll go and check check our receptions to see if the faxes come in and then if you want to delay it a bit not here can you resend it 
And then, it, you know, the, the response period. Jamie, were... you didn't play trips like that, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it happened. I've seen it, I've seen it happen. But look, nowadays you can go to spam, can't you? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Oh, it's junk. It's done. Oh, yeah, I forgot to check my junk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that sort of thing happened. And the response to queries and things like that was was in days, if, if you know, hours or days. It wasn't like, I'll send you an email. Have you looked at it? Literally, it's just arrived seconds later. Why have you not sent, uh, sent the response back? You know, the, the, the speed of response and, and collaboration has, has increased massively over that sort of period that I've been involved. But I think this is just taking it to another level. The, the interesting point of view is that the, a lot of the technology was there. It existed, yeah. but yeah. it required people to change their behaviours, change their attitude towards it. And all of a sudden we found ourselves in a situation where we needed it because of the restrictions and we needed to continue working and all of a sudden the adoption of it yeah has, has gone through the roof it, it's amazing that actually you can have a lot of tools to allow these different ways of working but actually it's down to the human behavior yeah and if you don't have that if you don't have the the um the willingness to try it and the trust in people to to use it properly and to still deliver what they need to if you don't have that, things get stuck sometimes. But um, but it's yeah. certainly fast tracked us through the last six months, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's, yeah. it's the it's the trust and the acceptance of it. And you know, uh, you're right. You know, we we use a lot of um, the chat function through our our email system, sort of the instant messaging type chat thing. And I remember when I started in '97, where I was given a, I was I was lucky to be given a Mac of my a tiny little Mac of my own, and it, it had we had a, a within the company that was in at the time, we had an instant messaging system then, and all the youngsters were on it and like messaging each other quietly between between doing some work every now and then, um, uh, and it was used a lot, but you know none of none of it wasn't used as a business tool, and it wasn't used by the business, and it was you know. It's, you know, potentially, if if that had kicked off, then we, you know, could have been a lot further advanced. But um, yeah, no, I think you know, it is just a, a case where the, the situation we're in has forced a number of things to be accepted, and you know, you you can't work unless you use it, and now people have used it, and it's it's a way of working. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's interesting. We um, so we. I did a sent a survey round to my team just to see how people were getting on with working in this environment and how they felt about it. And you know, I think pre this situation, no one would have wanted to work from home. Everyone liked being in the office. Working from home wasn't wasn't really considered an option, really. Um, but the survey I sent round was a, a fairly simple survey monkey. And most mostly, it's a sta it was a standard questionnaire, but it was things like you know, how have you found this? Have you found yourself more effective, less effective? Um, and and particularly, you know, would you, would you consider working like this in the future? And do you feel a bit more positive about it? And every single one of my team came back and said they felt much more positive about it. They actually felt that they were more effective working from home. There wasn't a single person that said they were less effective working from home. But the, the biggest drawback was that human interaction, that person to person yeah. interaction. And that that's that's where we've got to now develop that a bit more because you know we're stuck in this situation for at least another six months aren't we and we've we've got to make sure that people's mental health and the way that they're working and uh, interacting with people stays 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 well stays good um and 
I think it's once we get out of this, hopefully in six months time, I think there will be more acceptance to more sort of agile working, working from home and things like that. And that's going to change the office environment. It's going to change the office demands. Um, uh, but it's 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 I hate to say it's the new norm, but it, it is it is a God, I hate that phrase, but it is it is something that we'll, we'll be used to. It will be a standard practice. I think you're right. I think the that the offices need to be rethought about yeah. what they're for. Yeah. And the obviously the, the way that they're configured is likely to change, I think. I know uh, we spent a fortune on fitting out our office. Everyone's got a lovely desk and uh, you know, there's small little breakout areas. But of course, you know, what we need after the lockdown, who knows? Don't know yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's gonna be there's, going to be a lot more focus on um we're, we're thinking about replanning our office um and i think there's going to be a lot more focus on uh being able to work more agile so so you don't have to be in the office all the week but but the, those spaces that are in the office are more allocated to that human interaction that sharing space that the breakout spaces um and i think that's going to be be a key part of it so you might have a a slightly smaller workstation. Actually, this that's that's the one thing which I've really enjoyed about this. So, and in our office, we've got various generations of, of of engineers, from those that are retiring to those that that are new. And there's 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 always been a lot of paper, an awful lot of paper over death. Um, and as part of our sort of cleanup of the office, we made everyone either get rid of their paper or file it or do, do something with it so so we can't have it on the desk people actually finally went and did it because because they had to uh, and now we've got completely paperless desks and it's amazing it's amazing to go in the office and just see all these desks all clean desks but that that's something that's going to go forward but the, i think it's just again it's just proving that we don't we don't need all that paper but they also don't need as big a desk so we've got the big kind of l-shaped desks and there's always been a kind of um, looking down on the people. Like our London office quickly converted to the smaller rectangular desk because of you know price of desk space in in London is a lot higher than we have it in Bristol. But um, you know I don't think there's going to be any any regrets in going to that smaller smaller desk space and compacting that working desk area and then creating more breakout space. And I think that's that's what's going to be quite important. Yeah, that's what I sense will happen. There'll be more areas for collaboration. Yeah. And little pods with multiple screens so you can be immersed in it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a few, I think there's, there's going to be a need for um, not just one meeting room, but multiple small meeting rooms, like you say, with a couple of screens so that you can do Zoom calls even if you're in the office. So I think that's the one of the, the problems is with, when you start getting teams back in the office and people at home, you can't do the Zoom call necessarily because it's, it's just people in the office. <laughs> but but the, the the whole idea of home office also will be thought through, right? Everyone will now want a proper home office yeah. as compared to a, um, a makeshift desk or something of that sort. So yeah. there is going to be changes not just in the office, but also in the in the way houses or homes are being designed or uh, fitted out. So there's yeah. that. So. 
Yeah. I mean, the, the people selling posh garden sheds have done really well during lockdown, haven't they? For exactly that reason. Yeah. 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 No, it's, I think it is. And, you know, we, we do we do a lot of work in the residential area and a lot of it is still on the same sort of templates of houses and flat types. But I think I think it it does need to shift, you know, and there's there's a lot of also there's a lot of a de demand going to be needed on um, spaces uh, that have a bit of outdoor space as well, because, yeah. you know, part of the bigger problem has been people just being trapped in the home and not being able to have you know, other than opening a window, not having outdoor space. So, you know, things like balconies, larger balcony areas and things like that will will start to be more common on buildings, I suspect. And then, yeah, because, you know, there's the hope that this is the only time that we're ever going to do this. But it seems, you know, watching all the David Attenborough stuff and all those sorts of things, it's, it seems unlikely that this is going to be the last of last of these types of things. Yeah, well, without getting too much into epidemiology, and of course, there's been lots of these sorts of ep epidemics over the last hundred years. They just, we've been lucky that they haven't affected us. They yeah. haven't been quite as broad brush as uh, COVID-19 has been, but they, ha they have been there. Yeah. Including, I read, there was an outbreak of bubonic plague in Dundee. Yeah. Not not in the 17th century but much much more recently than that but anyway on that happy note um we jamie we've talked an awful lot about remote working and how you run a uh, sort of design engineering design practice remotely there was all sorts of other topics we were going to talk about including heritage issues um and maybe just just this riff a few minutes you wrote a blog about altruism in engineering yeah, I know it's a bit of a conceptual shift, but just give us a couple of minutes on your thoughts on altruism and how it affects engineering. Um, well, it's I suppose the way that I I, I come at it or, or think about it is that um, uh, engineering isn't the most well-paid career, so it's it's not it's not like. The, you know, a lot of people that I was at university with went into the city and were earning mega bucks and, and things like that. And it's, you know, the, the people that went into engineering, it was always kind of like, oh, you're not going to be as well paid as we are. So it's it's not it's not massively well paid, but obviously it's a lot better than any other careers. But um, I, I don't find myself with masses of money that I can give away to charitable causes and things like that. But what I do have is a lot of time and experience. Um, and you know I've been uh, lucky in my career to 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 go into areas of management quite quickly and and onto sitting on management boards and things like that. And that that is something that I can bring my experience into into another arena, um, and and help um, and support other other causes. And uh, there was um, a guy that I know quite well who introduced me to the the term. Um, in enlightened self-interest where it's it's about doing something that is not in your normal thing that doesn't really necessarily bring you anything other than perhaps you know training yourself and generating something for the future and it's it's something that i've always felt quite passionate about and i've given a um talks at constructing excellence about it as well so i've always done something 
outside of outside of work. I've always been involved in something outside of work. And uh, since in the last sort of 15 or so years, that's been everything from um, being involved with the FBE, the Forum for the Boat Environment, which is a networking organisation, which is pretty big in, in Bristol. It's a big organisation in Bristol, lots of members and lots of big events. Um, so I've been involved in that and I set up a, a young person's thing. And that, that was as much to, as I, I was going out to events that, you know, Bristol Young Professional events, uh, where they were meeting people and learning how to network and things like that. And I felt that um, the construction industry needed something similar. So we, we set up Forum for Tomorrow, which is the young version of that. And that was as much about networking for my own benefit, but bringing other people together to improve those relationships. Um, but obviously also at the time it was, it was about me getting out and about and going out and having some drinks with friends and meeting new friends. Um, and then I got involved in constructing excellence and that for me um, was uh, important. This was FBE covered my business development side of things. Constructing excellence was about improving my knowledge, improving my, my background and understanding, but also helping others and, and spreading the knowledge and the awareness of uh, best practice of various different approaches about doing things. Um, and so got heavily involved in that as well. And then through that and going to um, Sustainable Business Breakfast, I got involved with another couple of groups. Uh, one, it was um, a, 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 a um, community interest company called Bristol Green Doors, and it was that it was our, our work was to promote the idea of um, renovating existing buildings to improve the energy performance of the buildings. And again, that was there was I got absolutely nothing out of it. You know, it wasn't paid for it, but it was a lot of work. I, I was the finance director. We were a board and we ran and at least annual events to uh, where um, houses that had 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 some work done to improve the energy performance as, as we have on our house um, open the doors to demonstrate those technologies and the improvements and things and try and spread the message. Um, and th that was that was great. Um, and um, it was it was good to be involved. Uh, and then I got involved um, with um, uh, a community um, business called uh, Ambition Lawrence Weston. So Lawrence Weston is a, is an area to the west of Bristol City Centre, out towards the docks. Um, it's an area that's been deprived. Um, it's um, an area of sort of post-war housing, largely post-war housing. Um, and uh, a friend of mine had set up um, and helped the local community set up a group to try and promote Lawrence Weston and improve things there. And um, they were looking for people outside of the area with business experience to get involved and to help them and to help them help steer them. And it was it was about steering them through meetings, but help steering them particularly through the the chance to improve the area and bring um, development into the area, improve the benefits to the area. And yes, yeah, so I've been involved with them now for eight years and that, that's been absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's such a great group of people working in a in a brilliant area and we've we've done all sorts of things they, they won national lottery funding like million pound of national lottery funding which is spent over 10 years and then it's supposed to be generating a legacy um, we're looking at developing a, a small community-led uh, block of 40 homes that, that that they can lend out they can sell or they can 
um, keeping perpetuity and uh, as low rents and low um, values, um, affordable homes. Um, and then we're looking at a, a community hub now as well. So building a community hub. And this is this is there's no money in the area. This is all about getting funding. It's all about getting money in from other areas, getting things like that. And it's my experience. I hope my experience has, has really helped them. And I, I've just really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed their company. I've enjoyed doing the work. Uh, and there's, there's nothing else out of it. But there were so many groups like that, particularly around the UK and internationally, that all they're after is a bit of our time. And if we can yeah. give a bit of our time, why, why shouldn't we give a bit of our time? We've got so much time, you know, rather than sitting at home looking at Instagram or whatever, spend an hour reading and writing a report or doing some finance for them or things like that. And it's it's not like getting out and painting sheds. It's it's actually physically, you know, it's it's actually doing stuff that is stuff that we do on a daily basis, but for them. Yeah. And I think that's what we've got. We've got time. Well, Jamie, that's that's great. And thank you very much for being on our podcast today, which has covered quite a broad range of subjects, hasn't it? From yeah. Uh, remote working via Zoom to dis, uh, philosophical discussions about altruism and some of the uh, sort of extracurricular voluntary work you've been doing, which is very interesting. Uh, and I think we picked up on some very interesting stuff around the adoption of uh, these remote working technologies. And just to pick up on your point, if we were doing this six months ago, we'd have dragged you into our office in London, we'd have had a camera up there in our office, and the whole thing would have taken you about three quarters of a day. Yeah. Uh, whereas this takes a few minutes longer than the actual length of the podcast. So uh, some interesting stuff in today's podcast. So to all our listeners, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. Join us next time. Uh, for another episode which will be launched in two weeks time approximately so thank you and goodbye right thanks everyone come to invent for the highest r&d tax credit you can claim we help construction businesses get back millions in tax credits every year contact us today for a free review thanks for joining us this week on the construction big breakfast Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.